UX Podcast Episode 131, Part 2 of 2. And I kind of did a, a mock-up presentation to some of the people at the, some of my colleagues at Cooper, and they, they listened patiently. It's like watching a train wreck, and they said, well, don't give up, Alan. <laughs> Hello to you. This is UX Podcast, hosted by me, Pat Axbom. And me, James Roy Lawson. We are balancing business, technology, and users every other Friday from Stockholm, Sweden. In part one of our two-part interview with Alan Cooper, he gave the, the backstory um, surrounding his UX Lisbon um, 2016 keynote, closing keynote, um, before leading us into a conversation um, about enterprise and um, business and um, how lack of control, control mechanisms um, can lead to harm. Yeah. Um, social harm, community harm. And uh, in this uh, part two, he digs deeper into that question, like that lack of control mechanisms uh, that corporations uh, have. We we look at capitalism, entrepreneurship, the role of philanthropy. Tough word to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we also talk about what we as designers can do with the power that we have at our disposal. In a civil society, if you're going to allow corporations to exist, you have to have counterbalancing regulation. You have to have, you have to have collective restraints on the behavior of corporations. Now, I, you know, I grew up in the United States in the '60s and the '70s, and so it never occurred to me that this was the case because there was a lot of regulation. And 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 it kept the corporations in check, and 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 unions were reasonably strong, and so it seemed like it was uh, it seemed like like the balance was kind of the natural order of things. I didn't, you know, this is how humans think: is what is is normal, and it was balanced, and so I thought that was normal. I, you know, I was one of the guys who who just like so many. People of my age, I'm a baby boomer, uh, you know, kind of went, well, we can, we can relieve these protections. They're not needed, you know. I mean, I wasn't proactively removing the protections, but I was, I, I saw Ronald Reagan and George Bush and George Bush and said, you know, what's the harm there? Um, the harm has become very clear. And so what's happened today is, is uh, is you know I I created I was an entrepreneur before I knew the word I started my own company in my first company in 1976 and it was a it was a couple of years before I ever heard that word entrepreneur and uh, and it was a, it was a it was also a couple of years before I ever heard the word venture capitalist yeah. um, I was just building software you know that was I was an innocent and um, but. What we've done, and and I was able to build a company with essentially no capital because it was so inexpensive to buy one of these new computers and all you had to do was write some code and then you could sell it. Um, it, was, it was possible to start a business with essentially no capital. Um, this to me was hugely liberating. It, it's only now becoming clear that what this whole entrepreneurial thing was, was a... Was a uh, 
an accelerated path around the collective restraint on the behavior of corporations. So going back to Uber, if, I, if you'll pardon me for picking on Uber, is it's one of those companies that it was really inexpensive to start. And you know the money that was pumped into it was not to start it, but was to grow it. And what it's done is it's is it's is 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 it was able to disrupt the tr the personal transit industry by by going around those restraints. But once it goes around them and becomes hugely successful, now it's just a corporation that is without restraints. And and so here we all are, and I'm I've been a participant in this wonderful world of of software entrepreneurism for forty years now, and one of the side effects of what we've done, I have built great things, but I find that I have also built terrible things. Mm. I have built. Uh, I mean, you know, my work in Visual Basic, you know, was was again. I thought that I was creating something really cool for 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 people to use to run their computers, and what I did was I helped to funnel a few billion dollars into Bill Gates's pocket. Mm -hmm. Okay, and Bill Gates, I know Bill Gates, okay, and he's not our friend. Okay, he's not out to do things that are good for humanity. He's out to do things that are good for Bill Gates. Okay? And Microsoft is not out to do things that are good for humanity, but to do things that are good for Microsoft. And the Gates Foundation is, I mean, on the surface, here it is, is this huge, giant, philanthropical organization that's doing a lot of stuff for the world. But if you dive down into it, you find that it's, it, it's, let me put it this way. Philanthropy is not the same as community. Mm -hmm. Okay, <clears throat> philanthropy, yeah. philanthropy is about an individual doing things for the good of the individual. It happens to be the good of the individual is what makes them feel good. Namely, you know, if it makes you feel good to to you know stamp out malaria. Um, you, what the questions that aren't being asked are: Is that what we should use our collective wealth for? Our collective wealth should it go towards stamping out malaria? Malaria. Mm. I mean, nobody's asking that question because because along comes this white knight who says, "I'm going to write a check for a billion dollars to stamp out malaria." Everybody says that's great. On the surface of things, it looks really good. I don't know if stamping out malaria is a good thing or not. On the surface it sounds good, but I don't know if it's a good thing. And what I do know is that it has not been a considered decision by society. Okay, and so, so my point is that I don't want to diss philanthropy, but what I'm saying is that philanthropy is not a replacement for community. Okay, and what we've done is there's, in my town of Petaluma, California, there's a beautiful stone building that's now the historical society, but it used to be a library. And it says 
written in tiles on the, on the floor in the entryway set in stone, it says, free to all. Okay? This was the community creating this thing. Okay? Yeah. Nowadays, when I walk down the street in San Francisco, what I see set in tile, set in stone, I see in front of every office building, I see a brass plaque that says, right to pass revocable at any time. Okay? What we've done is we have taken our common world, our community world of public parks and public libraries, and we've said we're willing to let those go away. And instead, what we'll have is we'll have public spaces that are, in fact, private. Mm -hmm. Okay? And the problem is, is that if you are a, an Occupy protester, you can protest in a public park, but you can't protest on that right to pass revocable at any time. So we've given up our collective spaces and accepted private spaces because as long as the owners of the private spaces are benevolently saying, yeah, you can gather here, we won't obstruct, then it's, it's the equivalent of a public space. It, it stands in as a public space, but it is not a public space. It is not. And the thing is, 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 as we all know, is, 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 you know, you, you, you know what they say is that, that, is that, is that to, how does it go? To defend the First Amendment means that you defend people who say things that you don't necessarily agree with or like. I mean, free speech. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it's it's really easy, you know, to defend people who are talking about you know mom and apple pie and 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 and, and beer and skittles, but when people are talking about things that you don't like that that are seamy and unpleasant, the First Amendment says that they have a right to say that freedom of speech says they have the right, and you have to defend their right to say something seamy and unpleasant. So. The libraries that we have today are pretty good, but they're not public. Okay, they're Google. Okay, and the places where we gather are nice, but they're not Hyde Park. They're not Central Park. They're not Yellowstone Park. They're Facebook. Okay, so Facebook is a wonderful place to get together until Mark Zuckerberg decides that he doesn't want you to do whatever it is you're doing. Mm -hmm. Okay, now Mark Zuckerberg hasn't decided that he doesn't like whatever you're doing. So we're all fat and happy. We're pretty good. But the fact is, is that we have handed our rights to a private entity. Okay, it's... This is what I mean by philanthropy is not community. And Facebook, which to all intents and purposes is a common carrier and should be a common carrier and should be owned by society and it should be ruled collectively, is not. Now, right now it's ruled benevolently, but it's still essentially a tyranny.
a benevolent tyranny. And we all know what happens to benevolent tyrannies. Because, because you know, that old saying is that those who are ignorant of history are doomed to listen to boring pedants tell them about history. <laughs> that would be me. <laughs> yesterday, we, we, we had that call to arms, kind of, um, the, the, the moral and the ethic call to arms to kind of like not take part in, in producing um, evil or bad, th- bad things from, from a viewpoint of designers. Um, but, but I know that some, some um, at least on Twitter in the audience, were, were taking it as a, as a call to dismantle capitalism, as a, as a kind of um, a shout out against capitalism, uh, capitalism as, a, as, a, as a global uh, phenomena. Um, is, is that re- you know, part of the message that you were saying and you are saying now? Um, no, or I'm not saying dismantle capitalism. I am not saying that. What I am saying is that capitalism is, the chief enabler of capitalism is the corporation, okay? And what I'm saying is that corporations do not have any mechanisms of internal restraint, okay? In order to be a good citizen, we know, I want everyone to stipulate this, there has to be restraint. In the corporate world, in the capitalist world, what we've done is we've created this uber being. And we know there has to be laws, and they're, lo- they're mutually agreed upon laws. It's not like some outside organization, some alien thing coming in and saying, we're going to restrict what you do. No, it's us saying in order for the commonwealth, we're all going to obey the same rules because it will all be better for all of us. Okay? So... If what you do is you dismantle that structure of regulations and you dismiss the third party, the independent third party maintainers of the regulations, then what you've done is you have let companies go in and say, well, I'll just kill you and take the short-term stuff. And what they tend to do is not take it from, you know, it's like IBM doesn't attack SAP. What IBM does is they look down and they slowly press their employees and they slowly press against their supply chain. And what SAP does is they don't attack IBM. Instead, what they do is they look down and they slowly oppress the weakest target. target. Okay. Well, the thing is, is that, is that in the world of coal mines and steel mills, there was this means of production. There was the, the capital, and there was the land, there was the forests and the ore pits, okay? But in the world of software, it's just us. Yeah. It's just our brains. So for the first time, we have more power and more authority. We're, we're like miners and, and, and lumber, lumberjacks of a, of a higher order. But it's the same thing, is, is, is I am a capitalist. I want to make a lot of money. I am an independent businessman, and I always have been, okay? And, um, and I'm a big believer in capitalism, and I'm a big believer in free enterprise. So it turns out that, that, that there are people who don't give a shit and who just say, I will 
in a world of inequality, the more unequal it gets, the more the people who are at the top of the pyramid want it to be more unequal because it's pretty good for them. Mm -hmm. And it's a basic human trait. And, um, and so our, our world is turned upside down. Is there are a few billionaires in this world who are actively working to dismantle even more regulations. And this is, I mean, it's, it's like businesses want deregulation the way criminals want fewer policemen. But the thing is, is, is I don't want, it, in the fairer your society is, the fewer police it needs. Because except for a few sociopaths, nobody wants to have war. Nobody wants to have to kill their neighbor in order to steal his shit in order to be able to survive himself. What they want is to live a nice, quiet life and have kids and have a wife and, and do a little business and make a little money and, and, and do okay. And, and have a, have, that's what we want. And when it gets out of hand, people start people start blaming each other you know and and it's and it's the, the fabric of society erodes so I mean you can go back and you can read about the struggles of the unions in the 1920s and stuff and um, today it's it's a, it's a strange I'm not sure that I understand the difference because because we're we the digital practitioners are I mean I I, I don't know I, I we're not like coal miners of a hundred years ago mm. and yet in some ways we are I can't quite figure out the similarities and the differences I mean this is a, a job for a social scientist I think or a political scientist but but it's clear that we have more power than we think we do. Or maybe I should say it differently, is that every day we delay in exercising our power is another day that our power becomes weaker. That might be mm -hmm. the bigger truth. I'm scared for this world. I mean, I don't, I don't want to be a... Uh, a Cassandra here. I don't want to be, be, be saying it's time to panic and, you know, like I mean, there are guys in the states who build bunkers and stock them with <laughs> yeah. canned food. Preppers. 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 And, and yeah. I, you know, I don't want to do that. But what I want to say is, is, um, is, uh, is, the time is now. Mm -hmm. This is not a future mm -hmm. thing. I mean, climate change is not something that's happening in the future, and the dismantling of the, the protections is not something that's, that's, that's going to happen. It's something that is happening and has happened. And, and so... From, from an individual point of view, I mean, if we look at this on a, over the last year or so, this time last year, um, Lisa Welshman um, talked here, um, and she gave a talk where she was um, encouraging us to... Well, she was asking us, um, are you doing your, right, your best work right now? And 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 uh, she was issuing a call to arms for us to stand up and and do our best work and and do shit that we actually believe in. 
and for me it ties in if I look at this journey over the last kind of yeah. 12 months I tie this into to what you're saying now as well is that and my work as an independent consultant is I, do, I don't I don't necessarily want to work for every company as a right. consultant. I don't want to necessarily work on every project. Yeah. I actually, you know, will actively say no. That that's I'm not I'm something for me. Say no to a gambling company, for example. For example, company, yeah, yeah. Um, or, or or a bank that's doing um, you know really ob obnoxious uh, interest rates for short-term loans. Because yeah. yeah. I don't see how that helps society. Mm. That ties in with what you're saying. It's giving money into someone else's pocket in a way that I, th I feel is unethically. Sound and and governments are maybe not moving quick enough to to keep that support framework in place to stop them doing this kind of evil or right. grey evil. And it's she legal, also but it's it's kind of unethical. Yeah, and she also referenced the oil industry and the textile industry and the food industry, uh, and that was the inspiration for, for my talk as well. Actually, when I said that they didn't start out as evildoers, right. but now we have the opportunity to do the right thing. But are we really doing the right thing? Are we on the right path right now? And the same thing. Mm. Are you doing your best thing, or are you doing something that just benefits KPIs that are made for making money for a corporation? Right. Well, I mean, when you're when you're when you're just starting out, you know, you take a job, <laughs> and it's yeah. it's yeah. you know, it's not the it's not. You can't expect too much from people who are just trying to get going. But on the other hand, the this our industry and our society is made up of thousands and thousands of tiny little decisions made by individuals every day, mm. and uh, and so our role as leaders is to be constantly asking the question, is this the right thing to do, in the hopes that, that when people are faced with these tiny, subtle little decisions, they will know which way to decide, instead of saying, well, this won't hurt anybody, to say, well, wait a minute, let me look and see if that does hurt anybody, and, uh, and, to, and to move in the right direction. Um, well, in that sense, it makes me really happy that your talk went that well because that means you will be giving it more and yeah. more people will hear it and just that will make a difference, I think. Yeah, uh, I hope so. Yeah, because yeah, we're not going to, mm. I mean, mm. we're not going to be able to change the world overnight. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a big place. Mm. It's been around for a long mm. time. And, um, you know, but you've got to, uh, even the biggest changes mm. start with an individual. Yeah. It's someone yeah. someone has that seed mm. and plants it somewhere mm. and it grows into something big. Yeah. And um and I think if, if this if yesterday and this with this podcast as well, that we if you've made someone reflect and think about what they're doing and whether they feel mm. right about what they're doing and feel whether doing something else mm. maybe would make themselves and the world be a better yeah. place, then how do they do it? Yeah. My um my son you know, married a Danish girl, and he moved to Denmark, and so I've been spending a lot of quality time in Denmark. And I'm a Californian, and which is the greatest place in the world. I've lived in Silicon Valley, and I'm in a kind of a financial bubble of prosperity, and and uh, and so I'm exposed to the best the United States has to offer. And then I go to Copenhagen, and I look around. And I 
it's it's different in such subtle ways and i i my first thought is well if you know my son wants to be a software entrepreneur yeah maybe he needs to go to california but then i see what my son wants to do is is live a kind of a quiet danish life and have a have kids and and ride his bicycle to work i go wow yeah I mean, another one of my friends in San Francisco just got run off the road and crashed his bike and, you know, wrecked his shoulder and, mm. and stove in a couple of ribs. It's really dangerous to ride bikes in San Francisco. And, uh, and another friend had the same thing happen to him in Australia. And in Copenhagen, I just, just watch these bicycles yeah. go back and forth. And I go, this is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's fabulous. You know, rain or shine. And yeah. they're just, they, they've figured it out. Mm. And I'm saying, you know, for what he wants to do, this is, Copenhagen is the place to go. Mm. Then I'm surfing the internet and I find this TED talk, this, uh, uh, I think it was Norwegian. This guy gives this talk. He says, where's the best place to become a millionaire? And it turns out that, the United States is way out of the top 10, but the mm. top three are Norway, Sweden, and Denmark. Mm. Then he says, well, where's the best place to become a billionaire? Well, Norway, Sweden, Denmark. <laughs> he says, where's the best social mobility in the world? Again, the U.S. is off the charts in Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Mm. And, he, you know, it's like, how is, then he starts giving the answer, and it's because, because the, the, you know, he says, he, where's the best place to become a, a millionaire? He went out and he asked a bunch of millionaires. And they said, well, you go to a place where there's low minimum wage and, and, and not much regulation. Well, it turns out that low minimum wage and low regulation actually hurts the ability to create millionaires. And you go to a place like Denmark where there's a high minimum wage and there's, there's high taxation and high regulation. It turns out that it creates a highly educated workforce that is one that helps to balance the inequality, which tends to wreck the internal dynamics of organizations, mm. which tends to generate wealth. Mm. It turns out that, that, that the net is that everybody... So, I drive around in California. I drive around in Denmark, and I, I slowly I begin to realize that I don't see beat-up, wrecked, automobiles. I first noticed this years ago in mm. Germany because mm. they have rules against it. Mm. Okay, well where I live in America, it's like wall-to-wall -wall wrecked automobiles. Mm. People, they get smashed in, they drive around, put duct tape in the windows, they keep driving mm. them, mm. you know? And I, you don't see that in Denmark. Mm. Then I realized that that there are places where you see wrecked buildings in San Francisco mm. or in the San Francisco Bay Area and they just stay wrecked and they're mm. ugly and they're no, you know, things get broken and they put cardboard mm. over it and it stays mm. that way. And you don't see that in Denmark. Mm -hmm. And slowly you begin to realize that it's really easy to say, sure, if you just want to live a quiet life and ride your bicycle to work and raise your kids, that Copenhagen's a good place. But then when you start to realize that, ah, but if you really want to be a successful entrepreneur and make a billion-dollar company, Denmark is a nice place. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden you start sitting back and start questioning your fundamental yeah. assumptions about mm -hmm. how the world works. Mm -hmm. You know? So. 
Well, Thank you. You guys have given me a, a real opportunity to to speak my mind, and I appreciate it very much. It was Thank you so much for joining us and for letting us take up your time. It was a real pleasure um, talking to you. It was. Cool. Cool. We will change the world together. Yeah. Yeah. We will do. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Al. Thanks. So, so this is a lot to digest, uh, everything that Alan is talking about. Uh, I think he's not finished thinking, and I'm think thinking I, I'm not finished thinking about what I'm hearing from him. No, um, he's got to, Alan's got to the point where he's he's realized something. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly, you say he hasn't done though with with working out the answers. Yeah. Th- this interview in itself formed part of his his working out uh, exactly. of, of the answers, and now though we've become part of that working out because he's he's. Put it, put part of this onto us. Part of the burden has now been passed on to us <laughs> yes, through his, um, through his keynote and through this interview. Yeah. He's now, he's now reached out to us and saying, well, you know, the quote from the the interview there. Um, uh, our role as leaders is to be constantly asking the question: Is this the right thing to do? Mm. And it is a really tough question because sometimes it does feel like you're doing the right thing, mm-hmm. but. You can't. You can't always be confident because you're not. You don't always have the big picture. No, and we we mentioned our kind of I suppose luxury of being senior people in our profession. Yeah, and and freelancers that we we can that uh, reach. We've reached that point now where we can say no to certain things. But one of the questions in the audience that came up um, after his talk, yeah, basically questioned this and well, you know, we need to work. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I can't just quit my job. Mm. Um. And it's a very, very good point and a good question. Yeah, it is. That, that's the most common uh, thing people said when, when we talked about it as well. That w- how can I just go- get up and quit my job? It, does it work like that? And I guess... I think it actually does, to be, to be honest. It, it's, <laughs> in it's a sense, of, it does. Because when, when it boils down to it, you, you apply for jobs. Yeah. Or someone someone mm. asks you, do you want to do this? Mm. Right? Now, okay, it's not... We have economic cycles. Things go up and down. But what we've seen in recent years is that the the growth of digital, the growth of what we work with, is 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 expanding at such a pace mm. that even now during periods of downtime, and when the economies cool down a little bit, we're not seeing the same kind of stopping off in our industry as we have maybe in in, in the earlier years, like True. the dot com boom of like two thousand ninety nine, two thousand two thousand one, yeah. and and maybe even the financial crash. Um, towards what 2008 then it was kind of mm. things died for a while but mm. we're not seeing that quite as much during this you know, little bits of turbulence we had in different mm. markets now things are growing and I, and I think that does give us a, that does empower us uh, with choice about jobs if you, if you don't so my take on that would be like you know if you are currently working for a bank who does um, payday loans mm-hmm. and you don't feel that is contributing to society or to the world at large, mm. then maybe that's your. Tr- maybe now you've got your trigger, your cue from Alan, from through this this interview, to look for another job. Maybe it's time to move on. Could very well be. Uh, what I'm taking from this, and I'm re- what I'm relating to, is that all these studies coming out about how people are dissatisfied and unhappy in the workplace. And it, for me, it's all connected. It's mm. all connected. It's all about 
either subconsciously realizing that you don't know your place in the bigger picture, realizing that you are not contributing in the way that you would like to, mm. uh, because that is what we do. We contrib contribute as humans. And who am I contributing to? Am I contributing to the bottom line of a company or am I contributing to the better of society as a whole? Uh, and that may seem like something heavy to put up on yourselves, but if we want to talk about well-being, which we've done a lot in the podcast as well, is is you need to start taking control of your own well-being. Yeah. And part of that is actually to think about, am I in the right place work-wise? Mm. Am I doing good work? Mm. Yeah. And and am I am I happy with this organization at large? Uh, and I I don't think I have as gloomy an outlook as I feel that Alan had right now. I think that things are getting better simply because we are realizing stuff like this, simply because yeah. he's doing a talk like this and people are standing up and giving him a standing ovation because it, they understand. They understand exactly what he means. Yeah, we are We are realizing the power that we have as consumers, as designers, mm -hmm. and our power as consumers who design yeah. is, is, like Alan has, has, mm -hmm. has um, pointed out, Probably a lot more than we've realized. Yeah, we've got a lot of responsibility. Pe yeah, and people took it. Uh, some some of the people in the audience seem to take it as he was saying that you you've been doing it wrong. You need to make it right. Uh, and I, there's this wonderful quote uh, from his Q and A ses session. It's it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. Excellent. Well, if um, um, you can find show notes um, to this episode, well, these past two. Um, episodes, mm -hmm. uh, parts of the Alan interview um, on uxpodcast.com um, you can follow us pretty much everywhere as UX Podcast. If you aren't already a subscriber, then please take this moment to um, add us um, to your podcast client, whether that's iTunes or whichever one you like mm -hmm. um, or you can also like follow us on SoundCloud we, Like you said, we are everywhere. We are. Yeah Remember to keep moving. See you on the other side <laughs>